Okay, so for, from time to time, I download a random like game on my phone to play. Like um, a few months ago, I downloaded like the original Snake from 2003 Nokia, <laughs> but like oh, as yeah. an app. So like <laughs> I had like all the buttons just on my screen, but like I grew bored of that, and now I download this new game. It's called Wudoku, and it's essentially kind of like. Kind of like Tetris, but Sudoku. So like you have this wo- these wooden blocks, and you just have to fill out those squares, and you earn points. And now I'm addicted to that. And so when you went to get coffee, I was like, okay, what should I do in this spare time? And I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch uh, fun videos of Cage pa- uh, Karen Page and Matt Murdock from Daredevil and play some Muraku. And now I have a good, very good run, and I don't want to stop. Damn. Yeah. Uh, we love a gamer. We love a gamer. <laughs> Watch me have a Twitch channel. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I fucked it up. Okay, maybe it's good. Maybe it's good. Also, this is gonna be so loud. Like, right at the beginning, it's just like, woof! Noise! Yeah, I I, I uh, peaked when I left there. I need to get some distance <laughs> from, from the microphone. Yes, we we need to create distance. This is a COVID COVID nineteen safe space. We are socially distancing from our own microphones because we are so fucking loud. Um, holy shit! Imagine a shit talking Twitch channel where we basically do those reaction <laughs> videos that YouTubers do. <laughs> oh my god! I don't think, like, okay. So here's the thing. I grew up listening to talk radio. And I just, I love the notion of just being a bodiless voice in the consciousness of the common people. Like, I want to get to a place with this podcast where there will be a bunch of people that will that will be incapable of conceptualizing my body. Like, they will just think of my voice. And then when they Google me, and it's like, this isn't right. She's just a voice from the void. She does not have a body. And so, like... A Twitch channel would be contradictory to that ambition. And as you know, I don't have many ambitions. My my ambitions are limited to being an, a random foreigner on a, in a K-drama and being a gay icon. And that's it. And so, um, yeah. Like, have you seen the TV show Years and Years? Not yet. I just know the band. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a character on that show that's like she's transhuman or like she wants to become like mm-hmm. um, sort of a machine. And like at the, she has a very mm-hmm. cool line. It reminded me of what you said. And she's like, I want to become data. That's that, that's like your you, that's what you want to do with your voice on this podcast. You want to become data. You want to become like sound yeah, bites. But like, yeah, but you know, Bill Gates and Mark Zuckerberg kind of did that for us already. We already just a bunch. Damn, of just sh- shooting on the current state of corporations and privacy and uh, all, all that jazz. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we're here to talk about yeah. Cinderella movies. <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. Weird song. Also, like, a thing that I realized recently, that movie series is almost two decades long. Fuck, yeah, because the first one is 2004. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, the cultural impact. Just Christopher Nolan could never... <laughs> 
like Christopher Nolan, unlike Chad Michael Murray, did not end up becoming a cult leader on the hit TV show Riverdale. So he can go kiss my ass. No, exactly. Like if you're honestly, no, honestly, God, if you're like early 2000s heartthrob didn't end up as a cult leader, then like is he even worth talking about? Is my question. Like I I don't. Think I mean so. I mean Jared Leto took the cult leader thing to a whole new level. So yeah, but like he was a psychopath in um what was that show with Claire Danes? My stupid life. Oh no, my so called life. Like he was a psychopath there as well. Like he was never charming. He was always like he's in that. Yeah, he's in that. He plays the the asshole that like you know abuses her emotionally. <laughs> What the hell? Which is very I, I, on brand for Jared Leto. My my exposure to Jared Leto's acting career is uh, ex- limited to four very cursed things, cursed slash funny sometimes, um, which is his he, him getting knocked the fuck out on Fight Club, him uh, getting murked <laughs> by Christian Bale in American Psycho, him playing a trans woman in Dallas Buyers Club, which is did not age well. And then him as mm. the Joker, which is one of the most cursed visuals over the past 20 years. Which also did not age well. It didn't even start out well, let alone age well. No, yeah. Uh, he's just... Uh, like... <sighs> Let's not talk about Jared Leto. Like, we have so many cursed white males to talk about in this episode. Oh, <laughs> God. Okay, so... Um, hello, listeners. This is shit talking. This is shit talking. Uh, I'm Marcy. He's Pe- he's Pedro. He doesn't have a voice of his own. That's why I have to introduce him. And uh, we are patrons of the arts. <laughs> <laughs> um... Like in spirit, not factually, because we don't have money. <laughs> but spiritually, we 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 very much uh, appreciate art. Um, much like the, the the titular Cinderella from the Cinderella series, we have big dreams, and uh, <laughs> and our dreams involving uh, involving you holding on and letting us go, because cause we're gonna lasso your heart like a rodeo. There, that was a terrible attempt at making a segue into the song. That was terrible. That was terrible. <laughs> we have <laughs> rings on our fingers, not really, and glitter in our hair, again, not really, but in spirit, in spirit, it's there. We will buy a one-way ticket and just get here. <laughs> exactly, exactly, bestie. And, like, we are quarantined, because, like, when you get a one-way ticket, you, you have to quarantine, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so, like... For if you don't know for some reason, if you're not familiar with this piece of cinematographic, I did not pronounce that correctly, did I? <laughs> <laughs> you kind of botched it a little bit, but it's fine. They they understand what what what's, what's does, supposed to okay, be but like does the English language actually deserve my respect? Is my question. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. So like, let's move on. So like, if you're not familiar with the Cinderella sto- uh, story movies, there's uh. Oh my god, there's five of them, right? There's five of them. And they all started with arguably the best one, which is Cinderella Story. I mean, that's a debate we're going to have to leave to the end when we're going to rank them all, but... (laughs) 
Yes, it is. It is at least top two for sure. Like this is uh... <laughs> no, but like that's the only one. Like that's like kind of a real movie because like the rest of them, they're not real movies. They can be. They're two of them are very very enjoyable, but they're not real movies. Whereas like in Cinderella Story, like there is actual plot and like you care about the characters and there are things that they're doing there. It's I, I do think it's the best one, and I think it ages the best, and, like, I've been watching that film since I was, oh god, I don't know, six, yeah, it, it came out when I was six, and, like, every single time that I watch it, I have amazing fun, and so that's, to me, why it's the best. That was incorrect again, but, like, the English language does not deserve my respect, so we shall be moving on from that one. Yeah, okay. do you know who deserves our respect? Hilary Duff, Hillary who plays Duff. Cinderella. Oh my god, the girl, the girl has been doing the goddamn work since day one. So Cinderella Story, the, the original one, is from 2004. It was the only one that had cinematic release. And it stars Hilary Duff, our girl boss, and Chad Michael Murray, our cult leader in the making. And also... Very importantly, the stepmother is played by none other than... Is she a miss or is she, is she a missus? I, I, it, I don't think she will ever listen to this, so it's fine. <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can botch that a little bit. <laughs> oh my god, how do you pronounce her last name? Coolidge, right? Co- Coolidge, right? Oh yeah, my god. Coolidge. Yeah, so <laughs> she's played by the queen, the legend, Jennifer Coolidge. The stepmom. And also Re- Regina George in- George, now Regina George. <laughs> Regina George? Hold up a little minute. <laughs> Regina King is in it. And she's yeah. the godmother. And honest to God, if I were to pick a person that I would want to be my godmother, like my fairy godmother, I would want Regina King. Regina King, Regina King is having sort of a career resurgence as we speak. Like she won an Oscar yeah. in the past few years. She presented the Oscars, like the first. The, yeah, the, and this... she opened the Oscars this year, and she directed um, One Night in Miami. Yeah, and her directorial debut, and she also like did the she did the the Watchmen miniseries on HBO, mm-hmm. which is really yeah. good. She did. Uh, if Bale Street could talk, like she, you know, she's, you know, killing it and I'm loving it for her. However, she could have won <laughs> the Oscar for this role as well, I believe. Very true. Like, she is so likable. Like, so the plot of this movie, um, like, we meet uh, the Cinderella character played by Hilary Duff. Uh, I don't remember her name, a character name. Sam. It's Sam yeah, yeah, Montgomery. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she plays Sam, uh, and she, um, if you know the Cinderella story, which of course you do, like, she has a stepmom and two uh, evil stepsisters, and mm-hmm. she's basically their slave, and yeah. she works in a diner owned by the, the stepmom, and yeah. uh, she works with um, Regina King, uh, Regina King's Yeah, character. but it's important, and they're it's important to... They're besties, and it's important to point out that the the diner used to be her father's, and upon mm-hmm. her father's death, Fiona uh, inherits it, and uh, Regina jo- <laughs> Regina George, Jesus, Regina <laughs> Kings, or should I say Regina Queens? Uh, yeah, character, um, 
she she's a member of the original staff under her father and she just stays there to sort of look after Sam and be sassy and be a queen and she absolutely slays every single scene she's in. <sighs> oh yeah, and so like Sam Sam also dreams of going to Princeton. Mm-hmm. She lives in the valley, in San Fernando Valley, some Hollywood adjacent thingy. Um and she dreams of going to Princeton because, like, she has this memory with her dad that, like, that's the school he wanted her to go to. And she's very smart. She's very girl boss. She's graduating an, a year early. Why do I always pick words with vowels? I mean, every single word has a vowel, but, like... <laughs> Not in Poland. Now I'm Polish. Now I'm Polish. <laughs> Polish has evolved past vowels. We don't really need them. And I think that's a trajectory that more, more languages should take, personally speaking. Anyway, and also, um, so she's graduating a year earlier. And most importantly for the plot, she's been chatting with a mystery, mystery person on the Yeah, internet. the nomad. Mr. The nomad. nomad. Mr. Nomad. She's been chatting with Mr. Nomad. They met on a chat room, which is just so 2004. Um, And they've been chatting and they've been flirting and like all fun things. He quotes Tennyson to her. So like, you know, the like the flirting is on. (laughs) If he quotes Victorian poetry to you, that's when you know things get real, real. Um, Yeah. And what happens then? And yeah. <laughs> and yeah, our Mr. Nomad is actually, you know, um, Chad Michael Murray. Um, yeah. And he is a football player. He's like the quarterback. He's dating this, dating this very, like, popular, pretty blonde girl. You know, like the total yeah. opposite of of um, of Sam. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, a total opposite of a guy that quotes Tennyson when he's flirting with a girl. But yeah, but that's the duality of men, you know, like that's the, yeah. like he's, you know, the all-American boy, but he's also a soft boy. He's uh, he's sensitive and he reads poetry and he wants to be a writer. Yeah. Straight men can have complexities as well. Who knew? And, and like he, he, you know, has his entire life lined up, you know, he's going to play football in college and then he's going to inherit his father's business, you know, has his entire life lined up, but that's not his dream. And he's going to follow his dream. And his dream is to go to Princeton with um, Miss Hilary Duff. Miss Hilary Duff, which is an amazing dream to have. Also, I would like to point out that Miss Hilary Duff has a best friend character who is canonically Timothy Chalamet. Oh yeah, like um, oh, oh, nowadays we 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 um automatically associate Timothy Chalamet with like playing the heartthrob, playing playing like this like pretty boy, you know, the idol mm-hmm. teen guy. And I mean, he is the internet's boyfriend, like for a reason. Like yeah. every everybody and their mother has a crush on Timothy Chalamet. I mean, absolutely. But like, I think if Timothy Chalamet played the best friend character in this movie, this would be his best performance because like he's very dorky. The range. I mean, the range that this role requires from an actor, because that's an actor playing an actor that's auditioning for like a bunch of different roles. Like (laughs) The possibilities are endless. But also like, as I've said before, I'm kind of, 
I don't want to say sad, but I am kind of sad that Timothy Chalamet's career took off because I feel like he could have played in so much like premium shit. And now he's just going to play in artsy movies that can be boring. But like, you know, he will never do like Love the Coopers. Is that the Christmas movie's name? I think the cursed one. I, I don't know what you're talking about. <gasps> oh my god, he played in this cursed Christmas movie. Olivia Wilde is in it as well. What? Our girl Amanda Seyfried is in it as well. What? And he has like the most disgusting makeout scene in that movie. I kid you not. It Holy was, shit, we need to watch traumatic. this. <laughs> it was traumatic. And like he will never do that again because now he has money and standards. And um... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very unfortunate that like he never got this like time period where he just played like dorky characters in just absolute B grade trash like this, because um, he would absolutely kill this role. Like you know, this boy—he's a very like dorky boy. Like he's not a nerd, but like he's awkward. Like he's very, you know, um, like he's not the most composed guy. But no. like he, but like the funniest thing that our first introduction to him. Uh, is like getting into uh, Hillary Duff's car, and he's wearing like he's like cosplaying a, like a rapper, and he has like like <laughs> you know like the big baggy T-shirt and the, the like the loose uh, uh, pants, like you know like yeah. as a rapper in the mid two thousands, and like that's he so looks Timothy like Chalamet. Cool oh my god, that's so Timothy Chalamet! Like imagine him. That's Timmy T. That's <laughs> statistics. Statistics. It's Timmy T. It's Timmy T. It's Timmy T to a T. Uh, I, I'd like to say no. It's just ah, uh. yeah. And so Hilary Duff's character is kind of like she she likes Nomad, who is a child uh, child Michael Murray, whose name in the film is Austin Ames. Um, like she's into him, but she um be insecure as um, I mean to be honest, as anyone is. So like relatable straight off the bat and miss 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 mr ames is like i want to meet you i'm in love with you and so they decide to meet uh at the hollywood no that's not hollywood <laughs> halloween is what i meant yeah 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 so they decide they decide to meet at the halloween dance that their, their school froze and I just, I, oh god, the Bob, the Bob that plays when she enters the ballroom, ah, spectacular, absolutely show-stopping, like, it's such a, it's a very 2004 song, but it's a very good 2004 song, you know? Yeah, it feels like something that Taylor Swift would write for, like, her first two albums. Oh know? my god, speaking of Taylor Swift, I mean, I know we haven't even discussed the film, but, like, let me tell you, Taylor Swift... Writing a musical based on that first movie would be so fucking iconic, especially since we have like a resurgence of musicals, like stage musicals based on films. Like we have Mean Girls, we have Waitress, we have Heathers, what else we have have had in the like last couple of years. Ah, uh, like there's so many. Oh, Kinky Boots. Like there's so mm-hmm. many, and Kinky Books and Waitress were both written by like pop stars because uh, Waitress was the song was written by the girl that plays uh, sings love song. What's her name? Sarah. 
Oh, Sarah Bareilles. Yeah. So she wrote the songs for Waitress, Waitress and Kinky Boots. The songs are written by uh, girls just want to have fun. Who sings that? Cindy Lauper. Yeah, Cindy Lauper uh, wrote the songs really? for Kinky wow. Boots. And, yeah. So like Taylor Swift. Like this is this is prime time Taylor Swift material. Are you kidding me? Like. It's Hilary Duff and, uh, and uh, Ch- uh, Chad Michael Murray in that film also have like Taylor Swift and Joe Alvin energy. So like, what's stopping yeah. her for writing that stage musical? Is my question. Like she, she, you know, she dropped two albums in a year. She's re-recording all her shit. Like she needs a break from like music, but like, no, from releasing albums, proper albums. Yeah. So, like I totally see her going Broadway and like writing. I mean, she is, she does. We know she has experience with um, a future podcast uh, a subject in Cats. So, <gasps> you know. Yeah. I mean, just do it, Taylor. Just do it already. Please, you can drop it like randomly. I mean, you cannot drop it at a stage musical just like randomly. <laughs> Here you go, guys. Like we just couldn't stop writing songs, but like <laughs> oh, just do it, please. <laughs> we just couldn't stop he- uh, choreographing this like very intricate musical. Um, no, but okay. Coming back to the to the film proper. So they meet. They meet, they have a very, very cute scene, and they dance, and it's very romantic. And it's like, I want to say, this is the only film from the entire series where I actually am rooting for the couple. Oh, yeah, like, they are very likable. Like, um, it's especially, like, Austin Ames is, like, a very... Like, a very engaging character, because, like, it could be very cringy to have, like, oh, I'm a football player, and I'm the popular guy at school, but I am sensitive. So, like, it's very easy to fuck that up. Yeah. Like, it's very easy to fuck that up, but they hit it, like, I think they hit it just right with this character. Like, yeah. he's so likable, and so is uh, Sam, because, like, you just you just root for her, because, like, she's so smart, she's so capable of doing everything she, like, applies herself to, and yet, like, she's just bogged down by the, the evil stepmom and the sisters, and, like, you just want them, and, like, the, the online chatting romance thing is very cute for the time, yeah. and, like, you just, we really get the feeling that you want to root for them, yeah. Yeah, and also what I really like about their, like, love storyline is that they have this pre-existing relationship that makes it more believable that they are in love, whilst in all the other films from the series, it's, like, love at first sight, and I just, I I can't stomach that shit. I just, I'm allergic to it. So, like, I don't know, I really like them together. I think they're very cute. Uh, so yeah, anyhow, they, they meet, they have a very se- sequence, but like, it's a Cinderella story, so she has to run home um, at midnight because um, her stepmom is evil and um, yeah. <laughs> like, don't try to make, like, don't try to make it make sense. Like, just just be there, have a ride, have a laugh, enjoy the feels, but like, don't... Don't try to make sense. What I also like about this film is that, like, it doesn't try to complicate the formula. Like, it's very formulaic, but it just, you know, like, it just sticks to it just right. And every single character has, like, enough quirks to make them, like, 
either likable or in the case of the stepmom and Jennifer Coolidge, like she is particularly iconic. Like um, oh I, she has so many one-liners. And I mean, we will get to all the stepmoms. We will rank all the stepmoms by the end. This is the end goal of this episode. Yeah, like, I mean, they are continuously the most iconic characters in all of the films. Oh yeah, absolutely. And like she has, she already has so many one-liners here. Like there's one part where she's like be- like asking Sam to go get her, sa- her salmon. Oh from, my god! From... You know it costs so much money to import that stuff from Norwegia. <laughs> <laughs> like she wants the Norwegian salmon from Norwegia, and like Norwegia. Oh my! And the, for some reason, like the 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 stepsisters are like in the the in the swimming pool, and one of them farts. Oh. Yeah, because the 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 twin sister um, and um yeah they're twins the the twin stepsisters they're uh they train synchronize swimming very poorly may I add, and yeah one of them smart smart Jesus one of them smart <laughs> is that is that a new slang for for farting I don't know I am I I'm not gonna lie I've had today was um what a fairy kids tale? no. <laughs> No, today for me was uh, what kids th- these days call uh, a depressive episode. And so <laughs> I haven't been talking the whole day. I just watched uh, Wild Rose with um, Jesse Buckley and I cried my eyes out. And this is the first time that I'm actually using my brain to produce speech. So um, I'm sorry <laughs> for all the burps on the way. Uh, no, but like, yeah, one of the sister farts. <laughs> and I like, I usually <laughs> hate fart jokes, but that one is too iconic to hate. Like, she she plays, uh, like, and, and, and uh, Jennifer Coolidge, like, she is, like, so, her voice is so shrill. Like, it, it, it she is the perfect annoying, and like, she's not too over the top to the point where you won't, be, you don't even believe she would be a real person. Like, she hits this, like, sweet spot where she's absolutely hysterical and exaggerated, mm-hmm. but, like, she's not a total caricature. I'm starting to wonder, do you think, because I don't want, I don't want to drag race, but do you think that maybe one of the drag queens on Drag Race ever, like, um, did a parody of Jennifer in this movie? Because it's, like, a prime material for oh, a drag queen. Oh, that would be perfect. Yeah, like, they should have... Uh, I, I, I don't watch much Drag Race, but, like... Yeah. Th- like, they would they should have, like, a themed episode after, like, who oh could my... be the best, like, stepmom. That would be oh amazing. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. RuPaul calling. I have an idea <laughs> for a special... <laughs> Holy okay. shit, RuPaul playing the st- the stepmom. Oh my god! <laughs> yes! Oh my god, manifesting. Manifesting. Oh my god. Okay, no. Um this is gonna uh, this is gonna be very con- like hard for you to edit. I can already feel it. <laughs> like the chaotic energy of it all. But yeah, no, um out of all the five movies, Cinderella story like the first one is the only one that I can like genuinely recommend to people because it I mean it's very formulaic but like it does it what it does it does very well and very effectively and so you are having a great time watching it even though it is very cliche and like I think like 
I do think that Once Upon a Song is the second strongest in the series. However, I think to enjoy Once Upon a Song, you have to have our weird love for non-movies movies. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, it, it, honestly, and this is what the thesis of this entire podcast is. <laughs> like, we, we love the fake shit. Just the absolute <laughs> bottom of the barrel shit that was made while... Um, people were having uh like that movies that seemed like were written by middle-aged people while they're having a divorce is what we like pretty much or 13 13 year old girls on wattpad that's exactly exactly yeah and like you know i find it very funny because you were working on a degree in film studies and i have a degree in literary studies and we use that knowledge in education to talk about like films that canonically should not deserve it but like i you know like there's so much bad stuff being produced all over the world all the time and it just it gets erased from culture and i don't like it because they're like with once upon a song like the film may be like you know questionable but the songs in that film oh my god bop after bop before, but before we get to Once Upon a Song, which is the third film, and my, and my favorite, giving it away, we have a stop uh, along the way in a, wait, the very wait, aptly we, titled Another Cinderella Song. Wait, wait, before we go to another Cinderella story, there is one scene from the, the original that we must talk about. Uh-huh, what is it? Which is the locker room scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like... I shit you not, I know that speech by heart. So, um, if you didn't watch the film, so he's a qu- here's a quick recap. Essentially, Sam gets exposed and humiliated. Austin Ames is uh, a dummy dum-dum and does nothing. And so, Hilary Duff is like, okay, time to switch on my girl boss energy. And so, she stands up to her stepmom. She like, starts getting her life in order and being like, I will not be a victim of this no more. And she decides to be like, you know what? I'm going to call out this man on his bullshit. And so right before a very big football game, she like barges into the locker room where the men are essentially naked and just calls out uh, Aussie names on his shit. And let me quote this iconic line, which is, I know that the guy that wrote those emails is still in you, in you, but I can wait for him. Because waiting for you is like waiting for rain in this drought. Useless and disappointing. Like, come on! Ugh. Waiting for you is like waiting for rain in this rain. drought. It's, it's, it's very, again, not to mention her again, but it's very Swiftian. It's very Swiftian, but also, like, I would like to shout out Hilary Duff's, like... What what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> oh, I'm just I I would just like to um appreciate Hilary Duff's delivery of useless and disappointing, like that's 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 a woman that has been tired of men shit and like, and also like I've I've been thinking that for a long time. I think like if the movie ended when she like leaves the rock locker room and she is with her friend and they both just like finally just okay in their own skin i think that would also yeah. be a fine ending like i i do like how it ends i do like the like the big austin ames being like fuck you dad i'm gonna follow my dreams like i like that yeah moment. that scene rules <laughs> <laughs> but 
very good scene. And then, like, what's very iconic is, like, when he finally, like, you know, like, goes to her and kisses her. It starts raining. And he says, sorry, I waited for the rain. Which, ugh. Again. Again. It's just... It gets you, I think. It, it gets it's, you. It's maybe the best finale out of all these movies. Because it's just, yes. like, just angsty enough to make it, you know, bring it over the edge. Yes. Yeah. And I also think, like, because, like, all of the finales, despite the bobs, are about, like, the Cinderella characters, like, getting together with their prince. Because none of the other princes are, there I say, likable. You don't really care that they get together. <laughs> and here you look at like, oh, you guys. Oh, and and they, you... you know, they they met online, but they knew each other in real life and then did know each other at first. And like, it's just this huge, cute arrangement between the two. Yeah. And they both want to go to Princeton. It's very cute. It's very cute. And I also like how mundane it is because like from another Cinderella story on all of the Cinderella characters want to be like in an entertainment they want to be a star and here he's like no I just want to go to Princeton have a quality education and I'm like yeah you go girl yes queen get that degree yeah and and it's really in now if if there's if um is there anything else from this first movie you want to point out um there's also one thing that I really like so like when they have their big meeting at the ball, at one point he's like, um, he like he looks at her all lovingly and like, like in this like soft gaze way, and he goes like, you you'd think I'd remember those eyes so beautiful, and then like, next day at school he looks her directly in the eyes again but doesn't recognize her, and for the very like for a very long time I was like, why are you so dumb. Why are you so dumb? Like, what the fuck? Why are you so dumb? But then, a couple of days ago, I had an epiphany. So, the reason why he doesn't recognize her is because, like, he's not really attracted to her. Not in a way that people think of attraction. It's kind of like in blank with uh, Seaman and Eloi. Is that, like, he loves the vibe and the intelligence of this person he met online, but, like, he cannot really conceptualize her because like he met her vibe before he met her like bodily shell i guess Um, bodily shell (laughs) and so (laughs) okay this is the the most uh beast mode way to describe meeting her in person (laughs) and so when he sees her body like he's attracted and to her and thinks her body is beautiful like, it's secondary. Like, it's because he thinks her personality is beautiful that he finds her attractive, you know? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so when he sees her bodily shell outside <laughs> of that context, then he's not attracted to her anymore because attraction, like, physical attraction is secondary to vibe attraction. And so um, now that I've big-brained this, I really like that scene because, like, it tells you that, like, he's really into her as a person, not into her like beautiful eyes. Yeah, and uh, I love I love uh, uh, Once Upon a Song, but like it's very clear that one is very clearly like the guy is very clearly into her body like mm-hmm. first, and then she realize he realizes who she is. Yeah, I it's, mean like yeah, it sort of goes goes against like the Cinda whole Cinderella story lore if you really think about it because like. 
No, never mind. I don't know where I was going with that. I mean, cause... like the, the the original folklore is very much about like the bodily attraction, right? Because like he sees this beautiful girl and they dance and it's like perfection or whatever. Yeah, and before that's... he really meets. Like, yeah, but before he really meets her real self. Yeah, he meets yeah. this like um, beautiful idea of her, which is again why I th- I think Cinderella story the original one the original one lands so well with me is because it like it just like it doesn't do that like it clearly shows that like the reason austin ames is into sam is because he loves her brain (laughs) and he just loves talking to her and like it's a conversation that you know like oh god this is gonna like we're gonna be sincere for a second and then like we're going back to talking shit so like i my view of any like lasting relationships be whether they're platonic or romantic is that essentially you find a person and you start talking to them and it's just a conversation that you don't want to stop mm-hmm. you know like it's a conversation yeah, yeah, yeah. that you want to like keep on going throughout like you both changing and going and doing different things in your life and so i really like how like they like there's a scene at the, the very beginning of the movie where they're like it's like 3 a.m and they're so into talking to each other that like they don't even really think about going to sleep because they yeah. just love talking to one another and i think that's very cute and i think again that's one of the reasons why i like them so much as a couple is that like like looking at him at him jesus looking at them i can believe that they're in love you know I can, like, I buy it. And I'm very cynical about love. So, like, good job, movie. Yeah, they really nailed this dynamic. Like, for as cynical and, like, cheap that, like, these teen romance movies can be, they really nail, like, a really cute chemistry between the two leads here. And that's, like, you know, that goes a long way. Yeah. And I think also, again, it's one of the reasons why this movie has aged so well, because uh, the core storyline, which is their love story, is very well done and it ages well. And then you have like iconic additions such as Regina King or uh, Jennifer Coolidge. And it's just... It, yeah, the, the, the supporting cast, also amazing. Like, the best friend character who would totally be played oh by Timothy God. Chalamet these days. Like, would and, totally um, be played by Timothy Chalamet. Jesus. And also, the soundtrack is so good. Like, oh my God. That, that, film, that film gives you so much serotonin. Chef's kiss. And, uh, like, I've even seen it, like, referenced in, like, memes nowadays and everything. Like, do you know that, like, when she is texting... Um, austin uh Mm. in school and she's like she like types lol and she's like laugh out loud loud. (laughs) like i've seen i i i've seen that used as like a reaction video so many times like that's longevity right there exactly i mean that movie has cult following and it has cult following rightly so Okay, no, but, like, we have to talk about the other movies in the series. So let's talk about the second one, starring none other than Miss Selena Gomez. It's another Cinderella story. <laughs> Very creative An- title. Another one, in the words another of DJ one. Khaled. I- <laughs> <laughs> and this one, I really like that movie in terms of, like, the whole series, because, like, it retains some of the elements of the original, original one, 
But at the same time, it sets so many trends for all that is to come from the series. Oh, yeah, like, it's the first one, like you said before, it's the first one that introduces the entertainment business aspect, which, like, literally every other movie in the series follows. So, like, instead of wanting to go to, you know, Princeton and wanting to be writers and growing all together and all the entire thing, like, in the first movie, is like, she wants to be a star. She dreams of being a star. No, 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 she wants to be a dancer. <laughs> you know, a, a, a dancing star. You she wants to be a going. dancing star. <laughs> she wants to be a dancing queen by ABBA. And um, yeah, and it also like very importantly, it starts, the f- movie starts with her singing a bop. And then we find out that it wasn't really her. It was yeah, her daydreaming yeah. about being this boppery, dancey queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a trend that like uh, sticks to every single movie and some do it, <laughs> some do it, Definitely better than the others. Oh um, my god, run this town. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But we'll, like we'll another, get to it. another Christmas song has also has a very good scene, uh, a very good opening scene. Like Sunila, Selena, not Sunila. What the hell? Selena, <laughs> Selena kills that scene. Yeah, it. The song is "Tell Me Something You Don't Know." Yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me something you don't know, Pedro. How how can I tell you something that I don't know if I don't exactly. know? Exactly. No, it's something tell me something I don't know. It's a bop. Let's not lie. It's a bop. And it's also important to point out that Selena Gomez's stepmom is played by none other than Miss Jane Lynch. And she plays uh like a, I don't want to say like uh yeah, she plays a Hollywood husband if she's ever been. Essentially <laughs> like this is the blueprint for what came to be her best performance and the maybe one of the defining performances of the 21st century, which mm-hmm. is Jane Lynch as Miss Sue Sylvester in the hit TV show Glee. Do you think um, that Mr. <laughs> Mr. Ryan Murphy saw another Cinderella story and then he watched Ho- High School Musical and he was like, wait a damn minute. I, I'll go as far as to say that this movie birthed the entire career of Ryan Murphy. Like, I know he had done shit before, but, like, the Ryan Murphy brand was truly born in this movie. Because, like, as we noted, as we were watching this movie, like, this movie not only has Jane Lynch playing essentially the same character as she does in Plea, like, with the exact, like, tone inflections and everything, um, this movie's pace is so similar to it's like so murphy-esque like to what blink. we call murphy-esque <laughs> what, to what we call murphy-esque like it's like in just one single minute like three you, dramatic beats like happen you blink and like you're in a different movie essentially like oh my god that movie space is just it's snake it's neck it's neck breaking Oh my god, oh my god. However, like, I would like to for us to talk about the most iconic character in that film, which is Tammy. Tammy Our Queen Tammy. Tammy is such a legend. She is smart, she's badass, she's she a She has great the friend. best line in the show, which is I love drama, it's so dramatic. Exactly. And like she has Did the best this... lie? Did she lie? No. She ha- she is in the best couple of the entire movie. 
which is with the um, male best lead, friend with of the best the friend of the male lead. lead. Like, uh, and they're both black, of course, because you know you can't have black people in the lead, but you can hire light skinned actors to be the cool black best friends of the leads, and they will fall in love alongside the leads. You of know, course. representation but, matters, kids. But like, they kill the scenes, and like, they really outshine like Selena. Absolutely. The other guy. Absolutely. Like, like, I don't really have that much of a beef with the guy. He's just a bit boring. But, like, I do find it hilarious because I don't know if you know, but Zach Efron does not sing in the first high school musical film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You told me that before. Yeah. But the guy that plays the prince sings in the first movie, which is why when you have the, the concert movie based on the first high school musical movie, he's in it, not Zach Efron. And so, like, I always find that amusing. So, like, I don't mind him as, as much. But like no, the, the the best friends couple absolutely outshines um, the main couple. However, dramatic pause. There is one scene that we must discuss from that movie. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> to give it a bit of context. Um, oh yeah. So like, she Selena wants to be a dancer, and you know, like she lives in this like you know, um, in this smaller town, and like. Um, this big shot Hollywood, uh, pretty much like of a, a like a boy band leader, not a boy band leader because he has a solo career, but like he's very much like a Justin Timberlake type figure. You yeah, know? exactly. He's just he, Justin Timberlake on the budget, essentially. Yeah, like he gives me discount Justin Timberlake, and like this guy comes to visit the town, and he's like, "I need new talent. I want a new dancer to be in my music video." And I'm like, you know, I I have those all these hip dance moves and everything. <laughs> so Selena wants to be a dancer, but she's broke and she works as a maid in Jane Jane's Lynch uh, house, and so she can't attend like normal dance classes. So she sneaks uh, to the dance classroom and she just practices on the other side of the mirror in the dance classroom. And so she's like, she's there. An iconic bop is playing as she like stumbles into the room. She's warming up and then, hello, hello, it's Mr. Prince Charming. He walks in and like you said, he wants some hip dancers in his in his new music video. And he decides that instead of having normal auditions, he'll be like, I'm just going to have a competition for you guys. So you can show me your hip moves. And so he's essentially there to teach a class. Yes, continue. Uh, Anton Pff, Antonio. <laughs> what? Continue, Pedro. Uh, shout, shout out to friend of the podcast, Antonio. Uh, shout sure out to uh, to a composer extraordinaire, uh, Antonio Garcia. We love you. Exactly. We can't wait. You, we cannot wait for you to come and discuss cuts with us. But that's in the future. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, like she's in the other room. Like he's he he is in the dance class, the actual dance class to find yeah. people. And he does this like big choreography, but little does he know that his future love interest, Selena, is in the next room. And like they start doing like this matching choreography, even though they're not in the same room. They're only connected by the power of film editing. <laughs> and like there's this moment where uh, Selena leans on the mirror, which like leads to 
the other room and like the the prince also leans on the mirror on his side yeah and there's like this like split screen of them like matching it's like it's like that it's like that scene at the end of doctor who season two where the doctor and rose are like exactly I don't know, kind of exactly do you think <laughs> they're that like doctor not who... in the same place but they're connected but they're like connected by like the power of dancing and love essentially it's sense eight <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> no but yeah i mean like the movie is not a movie but that scene is like it's it's so good and i'm saying that unironically it's a very good scene it's genuinely so well pulled off and so well edited like the connection like that's what movies are that move that's what movies are all about in this scene honestly like if you can catch this anything from these movies like it has to be the soundtrack from once upon a song and this scene yes you don't, you don't, you didn't really have to, like, watch the, genuinely, what, that was incorrect, but we are moving on. Watch the first movie, listen to the soundtrack of the third movie, and watch that scene from the second movie. And that's the best experience you can have from these movies, honestly. Absolutely, like, uh, they kind of felt, they kind of fall off after the third movie, as we'll get to. It. As we, oh my god. No, but like also on the second movie, I really like the tango scene from from the like ball, I guess. Like yeah, sequence. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a really, it's, really good. it's a really good, well uh, choreographed tango. The music's really nice in that tango scene as well. That scene is also very strong, and I also really like. I mean, okay, okay. Let 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 us recap the plot for you if you haven't seen the film. So. Essentially, like, of course, he falls in love. The plot twist is that, like, he finds her here. They have a very brief relationship. And then the stepsister are, like, skimmy, skimmy. And they break them up. And so... Mm -hmm. And she also... Because Jane Lynch is also skimmy, skimmy. And she fucks up her, like, Selena's um, addition to a dance school. And so, in the final countdown of this... (laughs) of this film we have the dance competition and miss prince charming is performing i do not remember the character's name i'm sorry uh, irrelevant as well oh my god no it's joey it's joey parker oh yeah joey joey parker the great big pop star <laughs> the great big pop star i cannot imagine a successful pop star whose name is joey joey parker it it sounds too much like joey king you know Let's let's not let's not speak ill speak ill of a future podcast legend. <laughs> That's true. It's true. Like, no, but like Joey King has King in the name, so like she's she's a royalty essentially. Exactly. Exactly. Joey Parker sounds like a guy who's a valet. He parks your car. He's a Parker. <laughs> he he sounds like I don't know, like someone who would like um, work at Subway. I don't know why that come to mind I don't but like know. I just I just get those vibes from him irrelevant he's a white cis male that's all you need to know about his personality essentially um so yeah and he's performing at this competition and he's like you're Mary dance with me and she's like uh, ew no thank you and it's iconic yes it is like yeah yeah now that i think about it this movie is kind of a serve like it's 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 so good like it's easily it, it goes toe to toe with once upon a song in the first one now that i think in hindsight yeah like, i mean like it's genuinely an enjoyable watch like 
again, from another Cinderella story onwards, those are not real movies. You have to remember that. Those are not real movies. We are talking Murphy-esque pace. it's, It's not a real movie. However, if you're into that, Once Upon a Song and Another Cinderella Story, very enjoyable. Highly recommend. Yeah, like it, it, like it doesn't have like as sweet of a romance as the first one. The character development is definitely not there as in the first <laughs> one, but like it it's has bobs. It has Jane Lynch anticipating has, her yeah. uh, award-winning turn as Sue Sylvester. Jane Lynch also has very iconic lines in that film, like "Don't be my frenemy." Oh my god, I'm feeling something. I'm feeling abandoned. Yeah, like, she eats up the entire ending scene. Because, like, it kind of ends with a whimper. Yeah. Uh, but Jane Lynch, like, makes the ending completely worth it. And, like, the the I, I this is, like, where the stepsister character also starts being, like, increasingly relevant. Yeah, there's, they're bringing in the chaotic energy. And they're, like, because the first movie... The the stepsisters are there, but, like, they're not iconic. They're in no way iconic. Then, in another Cinderella story there, the stepsisters are iconic adjacent. They're not there yet, but they're getting there. And then, in Once Upon a Song, I don't think... What's what's her face? Brittany? No. Uh, Brittany. Yeah, yeah, I think it's Brittany. Britney, okay, <laughs> whatever. Britney is like there. However, Victor King. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, and which is g- gives us uh, the perfect segue to Once Upon a Song. <gasps> oh um, my god! Which again, like the side characters, completely like still steal the show. I wouldn't like... say completely steal the show because I think Lucy Hale is very enjoyable. She has this gift of being. Of doing the most in the worst things. <laughs> oh yeah, like Lucy Hale is someone we worship in this podcast. She's because, a like, patron saint of this podcast. Let's be let's be honest. In spirit, she birthed us all, and like, <laughs> like she she is in pretty much everything she's in is like fits our standards of what we <laughs> essentially hope to cover on this podcast. But like, she makes the most out of every single. Like, see that she's in. She eats everything up. Like, like Pretty Little Liars. Fantasy Island. Like, oh she eats she, that shit up. She is just... Oh, she's such a joy to watch. But it's so... So unfortunate that... Everything around her is not a joy to watch. She's, she's kind of like the opposite of Timothy Chalamet. Whereas, like, we hope Timothy... Cha- we want Timothy Chalamet to be in more, like... Uh, B-grade trash... And yeah. uh, and we want Lucy Hale to be in more prestige stuff. I think. Do you think? Do you okay? Going off topic for a second. Do you think that if we get a big enough GoFundMe, would we would we be able to persuade Timothy Chalamet to write and star in a movie based on Timothy? Uh. Once I think his career withers out, I think he's going to have like a midlife crisis and he's going to star in a Broadway show of like a washed up rapper who just wants to get back in the spotlight. That's what I see for him. I can wait. I literally cannot wait for this to happen. Like, 
you know, like, you know, I'm happy that he has a career, but, like, I wouldn't be mad if it, like, ends up. <laughs> and so he can start in, like, trash that I can enjoy. <laughs> but, like, yeah, like I was saying, you know, like, Lucy Hale is amazing in this movie. Like, but she is probably my favorite Cinderella of the bunch. I mean, but, that's fair. That's fair. Like, that's very fair. But, like, the side characters, like, steal the show in a way because, like, you have, like... Um, you have our king, Victor. You have Victor, who, instead of having a second stepsister, you have, like, this demonic child of a little brother who he's just his... wants to make everyone's life a living hell. He's kind of like Kevin in the Home Alone movies. He's kind of like Demon from Omen films. <laughs> it, no, like, it's Damon, not, only... not Demon. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oops. Oops. He's not a demon. He's just a Damon. <laughs> uh, but you, you also have. No, you were right. It is Beverly. Yeah, yeah. You also have um, Beverly. I said Brittany, but sure, she's. <laughs> I was right. Let's okay, keep that okay. in. <laughs> uh, Beverly, Brittany, whatever. Like played by Megan Park. She is so good in this movie. She's like. So- I, I I genuinely like her almost as much as like uh, Lucy Hale in this movie because the thing about her is like the the stepsisters in all these movies are always like just the butt of the joke but like yeah. in in the beginning she is the butt of the joke but like she brings like a genuine heart to this movie because like you know she is all she wants is like her mother to take her seriously. And, like, yeah. genuine love and affection from her family. Like, and you just, you, she, she's just ready to do her best at, like, everything her mother wants her to do, which is yeah. be a star. Like, she can't sing, she has no charisma, but she always wants to try her best, which really humanizes her in a way. Like, yeah. I really like her in this. And plus, she's hilarious. Like, in that dinner scene with oh the Oh, my God. With also, the main like, low-key, low-key, she sees through... What's his name? Look, she sees through Luke's bullshit. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like, okay, so the, the, the male love interest is this guy, Luke, who... Also, I would like to point out that I feel like they realize that the writing... Essentially, they cannot seem to, like, <laughs> I cannot form sentences now. I feel like with Once Upon a Song, the writers of the of these films realize that they cannot replicate Austin Ames. Like, for some reason, they cannot cast or write uh, a genuinely interesting and charming male lead. So what yeah. they did is they just hire British actors and be like, oh, pff, the accent will do. Importantly... Uh, southern English actors because yeah, yeah they yeah, gotta yeah. sound like Tories apparently, and so they just hope that the accent will do the work that a personality should do. Like this guy Luke, like not to, not to bring Miss Swift to this again, but like <laughs> he he literally looks like someone that Taylor Swift would write a song about in like oh eight oh nine. Like he's British, he's blonde. Like he's he works as a music producer. Like he's, he's the exact type. <laughs> he looks like a guy that would be in her music video, literally. Oh yeah, like he totally gives me the vibe of a guy that would be in like the "You Belong with Me" music video yeah. for sure. However, Mr. Man 
does write good song songs. We have to give it to him. Like he, like I mean, obviously the character doesn't actually write the songs, but like in the movie, he is credited with writing two songs, and they're both bops. Like knocking, yeah, like... absolute bop. Possibilities, absolute bop. And like he should be appreciated for those two things. Only those two things, if he, I'm being honest. He, he kind of like, you know, I joked while watching this with you, because like, he is kind of like the midpoint between Shawn Mendes and Harry Styles, where has, he's, exactly not as he's not exactly. as bad. He's not as bad and generic as Shawn Mendes, but he's not like as good and as, a, as much of a pop star as Harry Styles. He's like completely in the middle of this. Yeah, and it's also important to point out that all his charisma, however much he has of it, disappears the moment he becomes a norm, a civilian. <laughs> like the moment he's just a person like talking, um, I don't, I don't give a shit. Oh yeah, he's he he, he get, definitely gets annoying because like his entire personality is like he's very into music and like he. And like he, like every time he's always asking people their, about their music taste and like, oh, yeah. what's your favorite music? I'm like, oh, I really like John Lennon. And he's like, oh, his lyrics are so deep. I know, man. Oh, I just love like he he he, he puts his heart in all of his songs, man. Like he. Like, he's just that kind of guy that would seem annoying to talk to about music. Oh, my God. He's this kind of guy that, like, at the party, he would be like, no, I really like a girl that has a personality. I'm not at all about the looks. I'm not about, you know, the body shell. No, no, no. I'm about the personality. I'm about what's inside. And then he literally, like, he's, oh, my God. He's such a stereotypical straight guy. He's like, he sees boobs and he's like, oh. Like it, it, Gotta that's literally how he falls in love a, with Lucy Hale's character in the <laughs> oh first God. place. Because like Lucy Hale is like locked up in like outside of her locked outside of her house. Again, Victor King decides to be like, hmm, how can I spread evil today? And he decides on locking Lucy out of her house when she's naked. And honestly, like, king shit. Like, show me a nine-year-old nine that does it like he do it. Like, he does. Show me a nine-year-old that does it like he does it. Like, oh my god, the power, the, like, the, the efficiency, the... <sighs> king, king, honestly. Like, I'm pretty sure that in this universe... Victor is an evil billionaire by now. Like he, he, he's like if Kevin from Home Alone movies got like Spy Kids level technology. Exactly. Like, exactly. but he's like he suddenly decides to you know Lucy's naked and he decides to lock her outside of the house because that's funny. That's what a nine year old would do, you know. Uh, but like to to cover up, like Lucy Hale like grabs the rug and like <laughs> decides to like wrap it like around her upper body like a towel yeah and that's literally how luke the main guy um like sees her it falls it's very much like a stereotypical romance fan service anime in that way yeah like oh my god hot girl i'm flustered i'm british oh my gosh i'm british i'm flustered she is naked how improper <laughs> i'm definitely into her personality not into her naked body and coochie exactly yeah um <laughs> and like like i again because like in cinderella story the og one the narrative 
like shows you literally that like the guy is into uh, Hilary Duff's personality, not into her adorable face. Yeah, here it's yeah, the yeah. opposite. Like they try to sell you that, but you're like, I- I'm sorry, sir, ma'am. I have eyes. I I see that this this is not what's happening here. He's he's so dumb. Like literally, he's he's the. He doesn't like realize who's who, but like the literal end of the movie. He's so dumb. Oh, he's so blind to everyone's vibes in this movie because you. Oh yeah. Because like, okay, the entire plot of this is that um, uh, the stepmom played by Missy Pyle, who absolutely just destroys this role as always. Like as always. Like she um she wants um. She wants her her favorite daughter, she wants her daughter uh, Beverly to be a pop star, even though she doesn't have any talent. But like she tries to hook her up with this like Luke, the music producer, to get her into the industry and everything. And like um, so he so she utilizes um, Lucy Hale's talent and her voice to and matches it with Beverly's like appearance. And like yeah. in, and like trying to make Beverly lip sync to Lucy Hale's voice in the songs the entire three to read through to like sort of get her talentless daughter to the spotlight. And like um she's also trying to get Luke to fall in love with Beverly. So like Be- like Beverly has to pretend she wrote all the songs that Luke likes Lucy Hale for. And um like She's so bad at pretending that she's into the songs that, like, I have no clue how Luke would even, would, like, would even, like, in that iconic dinner scene where they're having together. <laughs> exactly. I wanted to, I wanted to say that my, I think my favorite line from this movie is when, um, Luke, they have a dinner scene and essentially because Beverly knows shit about music um, Lucy Hale is there as well, and she's like texting Beverly what she's what she's supposed to like say to Luke's uh, questions. And at one point, Luke's ask, Luke asks, um, "So, what's your favorite like modern artist?" <laughs> and Beverly goes, "Modern, I think Moose." <laughs> Moose. Moose. Do you mean Muse? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hate delivery of that as well, honestly. Now I really want to do like a playlist where I go through like all of the muses discography <laughs> and call it my favorite band, Moose. It's just call it just call it Moose. <laughs> I'm just gonna the name call of the it pla- Moose. The name of the pla- but like Moose in Norwegian, so it fits your your play- <laughs> your playlist. No, but when- <laughs> No, but when I do, when I do, like, artists, I don't name them Norwegian names. But, like, I don't know. I'll figure something out. Um, However, I think we should talk about the true star of Once Upon a Song, which is the song. Oh, my God. Yes. Banger after banger. This is. uh, And if if you're listening all the way through this point, you've probably already heard the intro of this podcast, which is Run This Town by Lucy Hale. This shit is so good. Like, this opens the movie, and it's like it's taking you through a journey. Like, this shit is in different areas. Like, this sounds like... This is like Charlie XCX saw this, and I'm going to base my entire futuristic pop persona on this song. 
No, I, I said it once, I will say it again. I'm pretty sure that if Lucy Hale's character were a real pop star, she would be Kelly Ray Jepsen. You know what? I totally see that. I totally see it. Yeah. Oh, no, but like, run this town, absolute bop. Make you believe, absolute bop. Bless myself. Bless myself. Religious experience. Like I said, knocking. Amazing song. There's also a second version that is later on in the movie where an acapella group sings that song. Banger. Uh, possibilities. A soft jam with a very cute lyrics, I might, I'd like to add. It's, like, it's a very cute song. What else is there? Oh my god, the iconic random Bollywood dance-off. <laughs> oh yeah, oh my god, we haven't even mentioned uh, the guy, Tony. <gasps> oh my god, Tony! He is such a legend. He is technically the fairy godmother character in this movie. Like, he sort of plays like, uh, like he's half Indian, so he plays like the spiritual guide to the stepmom character. Because yeah. she is a white suburban mom who is racist. And like, and she's really into, uh, I guess, Hinduism and just like Bollywood and India and stuff. But like the very stereotypical things about about that um, culture. Exactly. Like, uh, but the enti- the, the, this entire time, this Tony guy, like, is actually like half Italian-American and does not have an Indian accent at all. So he's just trying to, like, fake the entire way through, like, pretty much scamming her way into getting the bag, basically. And it's so funny. It's so fucking funny. You like, should capitalize that racism. Like, like, if we are forced to live in neoliberal capitalism, we should be allowed to capitalize, uh, capitalize on uh, sexism and racism, I, I believe. Like, like, using the, like, the bigoted views and very, like, narrow views of what, like, uh, Indian culture is and, like, turning into, oh, yeah, I'm going to totally fake being this into getting money from a white suburban mom. Like, that's absolutely legend shit. Exactly. Like, period. Period. But yeah, um, if you don't want to watch the film, that's fine. But I really recommend listening to the soundtrack. It's on Spotify. It's really good. It's like, it's obscenely good for a movie of that budget. Like, it's genuinely pop songs that would not, like, um, fit terribly with today's, like, hyper pop scene and everything like that. So if you're into that, like, definitely check out the soundtrack. It's so fucking good. Okay, now we are exiting the territory of Good. movies that are watchable. Yeah, th- th- like past this point, we only gushed about these movies because they're so much fun. Now it's time for pain. Like this shit is just <laughs> poopy. It's <This> garbage. Is... <laughs> it's like, you know how there's um, the comedy, right? The divine comedy. And you have Circles of Hell. These movies are their own circles, honestly. Like, oh my god, <laughs> they're so bad. Like, they're so bad that even the iconic stepmom queens don't save them. They're so bad. 
No, okay. I I must defend. I must defend the stepmom <laughs> from no, if the shoe. No, the fits. one from the if the shoe fits with her iconic staff dog. She's an icon. Listen, However, she does not say like movie this movie. If the shoe fits is so fucking bad that when we were rewatching them in preparation for this, we skipped to it. We skipped. We skipped forward. Like, but if there's one thing that's worth watching on this movie. Is Jennifer Tilly, a uh, future podcast star from the Chucky series, Jennifer Tilly. Looks like Madonna. Like, she she's cosplaying Madonna the entire film. I'd like to point it out. And she also has, like, she had a dog that fortunately died. And so she decided to just um, taxidermy, I think is the name. Yeah. Kind of like, she just stuffed it. And now she has a taxidermy dog. It's, and she it's... talks to it. It's, oh my god, she... It's she so is fucking, very iconic. It's so fucking weird. Like I totally, I totally see Jennifer Tilly pitching this to the director and like, fine, let's let's use this. Like she literally has a dead dog in her purse and talks to it. That's insane. And she talks for it as well. It's oh my, it's it's a Renaissance painting. It's what it is. Like. But unfortunately, the rest of the movie is not a renaissance painting. And, like, Cinderella is played by Sophia Carson, who has, like, zero charisma. The guy, I don't even remember him. Oh, my God, the guy was on the EastEnders. <laughs> sure, I I believe you. <laughs> I mean, again, we, we are following the trend of, like, we don't know how to write charismatic male characters, so we will just cast British actors to play them. Also, Sophia Carson attempts to do a British accent and pretends to be British. I'm, I'm sorry, British not a thing. She pretends to be English, but not me, like, besmirching Scotland, Wales, and North Ireland with the England identity. No, 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 not, not on this podcast. I'm very much for Scottish independence. This okay. podcast supports the Scottish National Party and the independence referendum, and this is the leftist corner. <laughs> this is very much the leftist corner. Um, like, don't don't even add me. If you think that Scotland deserves the abuse and mistreatment of Miss England, um, then you're welcome not to listen to this podcast because <laughs> I um, I I probably don't like you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we don't like you if you don't support that shit. Scottish independence. Okay, like moving on. Um. So yeah, Sophia Carson. Uh, She's I mean, nothing. Like, I... She's giving nothing. <laughs> She's giving nothing but a nasal voice. Like when she sings. Oh my because, like, god. <laughs> um, if the shoe fits is a musical, and so Sophia, Miss Sophia Carson is singing in this movie, unfortunately, and um, it's so nasal. Like I don't it's... think she even knows how to like act, like resonate in any other cavity but her nasal cavity. The thing is, she sort of she sort of sings like a try-hard American Idol cont- a contestant who's like trying mm-hmm. to impress the judges by like over singing, but like she doesn't realize that she's just like putting emphasis on like every single word and trying to sing her art out in like every single syllable, and yet everything just looks like a jumbled nasally mess. Just sounds like a nasally jumbled mess. Exactly. She could be singing like, oh, I love this sandwich. And it would be like, I love this sandwich. Like, girl, breathe, pro- please, properly. Oh, yeah, and like you said, no personality. 
the, the fake British accent and, and her being like, I'm from... First of all, she mispronounces, uh, like, the... I mean, if you don't know, so, like, the, the, the big parts of... Oh, my God. Hello, geography. Yes, I know you. So, like, England and I think Scotland and Wales as well, they're divided into... Um, shires but like when you have the name like in full it's derbyshire not shire the only shire that exists like as a shire is the shire from lord of the rings and so miss sophia carson comes into audition for her big break musical role as cinderella <laughs> very clever very clever so matter um, so matter and she has <laughs> this terrible fake English accent that like sounds like you know how she sounds like she sounds like all the people in my pronunciation classes that like wanted to sound like Tories but that couldn't even do that properly she's she like, like that she's like oh yeah to, to, to speak proper English I need to put a very forced English accent even though I'm not from there that's what she sounds Hello, like the time. I am from Londonshire <laughs> Oxfordshire, Hogwartsshire, yes, that, that's where I'm from. And no, my accent is not confused, you're confused, because you've never been to England, you know. That's how she sounds, and it's so painful. And also, like, with If the Shoe Fits, they stopped trying to actually hide the Cinderella character. Like, yeah, Sophia Kirsten just has a blonde wig and blue eye contacts and that that's it and the guy still can recognize her and i'm like what what yeah this it's it's really it's really taken to the extreme like from this point on in the series like it, she they, they gave up trying to like do the whole costume party yeah. ball thing because with lucy hale she because the the dance in that movie is bollywood theme so she has a sari and she has a veil and, like, you honestly can only see her eyes and her eyebrows and, like, the rest of her face is covered. And, like, good job. Like, it makes sense that, like, the dummy dumb dumb boy uh, doesn't recognize her immediately. But, like, here is, like, how dumb can you be? <laughs> she puts on an incredibly fake accent. She has a blonde wig. Like, and you still, and, like, the weirdest thing is, like, even, like, the stepsisters and their stepmom are even, like... Hmm, I have my doubts here. Who is this woman? Like, <laughs> who is this mysterious stranger? I have. It's literally Hannah Montana effect. It's, it's kind of like Hannah Montana, yeah. <laughs> However, Hannah Montana had stupid plot, but it had bops, and it stood strong on the strength of those bops. This movie does not have a single good song. Yeah, because like we mentioned, like Sophia Carson, like she's not giving anything in her songs. Like the songs themselves aren't good, even though it's a musical. Like it's just so bland and like. And the Prince Charming guy gives me Shawn Mendes, and by that I mean he gives me absolutely nothing. <laughs> he, I can't even. I genuinely cannot even remember him. I do not remember how he this has, man looks like. He has this. I mean, he's a generic white male that's like conventionally attractive what else do you want but like i this the memory of the one song he sings in the the movie is like burned into my memory and i i, I cannot afford therapy so i cannot like move on past that trauma <laughs> so you have this podcast 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, listen to this podcast so we can get big and I can get therapy so I can finally like move on from the trauma of the movies that we've been watching. Uh, but oh my god, it's so bad. It's so bad. Um, yeah, no. this, there's really not much to say besides Jennifer Tilly kills it like the queen she is. Yeah, but like the queen she is exactly. But oh my god, the poopy, the poopy poopiness of it all. Is, yeah, and speaking of poopy poopiness, uh, the last the last movie in the series, which came out as uh, as as lately as 2019. It's it's from 2019. It's oh from my 2019, God. and like, like to ev- to e- to every single person that thinks like the horrors of history are behind us, no, <laughs> they're not. These atrocities are still happening in 2019. So like, take a long hard look at your privilege, Miss Listener, ma'am. <laughs> like, okay, this movie. Like, it's kind of started it all when, when it comes to, like, us watching bad movies together. Yeah, because, like, um, I, it's it's right when, like, the panorama started. I found it on Netflix because I, I grew up watching the Cinderella story series. Um, so I watched them as they were coming out. And then, like, if the shoe fits was so terrible that it kind of put me off from the entire series. And that, so I didn't know that like they made a new one until I found it randomly on Netflix. And so I like I started watching it, and I I was like kind of in the mindset to watch something terrible and have a good time because I was laughing at it. Uh, and so I started texting you, and you were like, "Oh my god, let me get on the train." And that's when we started watching terrible movies together, and we've never watched anything decent since. <laughs> We've barely watched anything this and since. Like it really, it really killed. Like it, it probably gave me more brainworms than most things beforehand. Yeah. But it's all worth it. But like the thing is, like we had fun watching this at the time. And, like rewatching this, like right before we started recording this. Oh my god, this is terrible. It was so bad. Like the step, like it was so bad that the stepmom wasn't even iconic. Like, like she met- is fine, but like she's nowhere near the others. And like, like plus she's not even like played by like a bigger named actress because they probably couldn't even get anyone bigger than her. Yeah. So like, it's not even a star making performance. She's kind of like, no, she's trying, but like she's not on the level of iconicness as like, for example, yeah. Missy Pyle or Jane Lynch or Jennifer Coolidge. And they also didn't give her the the lines because like Missy or Miss Jennifer or Miss Jane, they really got the lines to create an iconic campy performance. She wasn't even given the lines. Like she has a few iconic lines, like my favorite one from the whole film, which is, I'm the patron of the arts. Which oh and also had delivery of that line is yeah so she did funny. kill that scene like but towards However, the end they do get better they do get better. However, my favorite character I mean I don't know if favorite is a good word like the character that I enjoyed the most was the younger stepsister because every single <laughs> line she delivers she delivers as like gothic Victorian no you cannot be gothic and Victorian what do I want to say she delivers like this unhinged victorian child ghost do you know what she's trying to do with her fake british accent mm. she she's trying to mock sophia carson oh my god she she absolutely this is canon now but like she she literally in the movie she says 
mommy's upset with you and she says it in this like very eerie way it's just oh such a queen (laughs) such a queen like this movie okay so also we we should point out that this movie serves out of tune oh yeah autotune is the main character of this movie and to be fair the part that gave me the most joy was because like okay this this movie which is you know all about you know the cinderella character played by laura morano and like she works as with her best friend isla as um like elves uh, like in this elves like in... christmas attraction and this like unnamed corporate city in america yeah 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 like they're playing like santa's helpers you know like uh street animation and that type of thing and like she and like her and her best friend sing songs but like the, the thing is like the songs are so bad and like they are like trying to like they sound like bad versions of like the ariana grande christmas album (gasps) exactly they like you've said it before and i agreed with you completely they sound like songs that ariana like heard and was like "Hmm, not quite the level that i'm going for like plus they inject so much auto-tune and they're like Oh my god, this is gen okay, the Toys 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 song is so fucking funny. <laughs> it's like literally the part I enjoyed the most in this movie. Oh my god, Toys 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 is just like it's so bad and it's so ridiculous and it's like dripping in autotune. And it's it's and all those like terrible elements make it genuinely why do I keep on saying genuinely when I don't know how to pronounce the vowels in that word? Like, I'm a masochist. Let's move on. <laughs> like, that's a fun moment. Because, like, all the badness, like, mix, mixes with uh, with one another to create this perfect blend of bad that can be very fun. Yeah, like, this literally sounds like something that... Um like charlie xcx would parody in like a tiktok or something because she uses autotune a lot like and she she's like you know what i'm gonna make this song mine that's like that level of autotune and like Mm. um but yeah this movie is just absolute garbage and like literally the the (laughs) the prince in this movie is so fucking annoying he's so bad he is so bad he's so bad and like so I used to like because uh, the actor that plays the prince, he uh, he played Mason in Wizard of Waverly Place, where also Selena Gomez played. So like, damn, you know, the 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 uh, Christmas, uh, the Cinderella story extended universe. <laughs> exactly, um, Lucy Hale was also on Wizard of Waverly Place. She was in the first season. She dated Justin's character. Damn, it's all connected. The way this is, this shit is all connected. The ways in which I know way too much about Wizards of Waverly Place. Okay, let's move on. So, like... But, like... So, like, I I shouldn't have such a negative reaction to him because I do have that positive connotation um, with his face, I guess. But, like, he is insufferable. You know, there is... I think around million words in the English language and there is still not an adjective good enough to describe just how 
terrible a character he is. Like, he plays this rich boy, and, like, he, again, like, trying to rehash the entire plot. Whose name is Dominic? Dominic Winterbottom, which, to be fair, is a very (laughs) funny name. Um, And he plays this, like, this guy wants to be a music manager, again, doing the music manager thing, again, a fucking gan. And, like... They're trying, like, and you know, he, for some reason, even though he's rich, he's working as like the Santa with mm. the with the girls, um, yeah. and like that's how he and Laura Moreno, the Cinderella character, fall in love, and like it's it's genuinely so cringy, like and not even in a oh funny way. Oh my god, way. their duet, their duet, their duet, their duet, their duet, is their so duet took like. Five years out of my life. <laughs> I am, I am permanently traumatized by that song. I'm, and also like, what's very annoying about Mr. Dominic is that he does the Shallow Girl thing. If you don't know Shallow Girl, it's a Felicity Jones classic. You should go watch it. But like, oh no, I'm a billionaire, and I have a supportive father, but like, I'm still unhappy. Poor me, poor me. Like. Literally, what is your problem? Like, if you have fake friends, then like, go and make better friends. Like, that's not that's not a problem, you know. Yeah. Like that's, you have a supportive father, you have billions of dollars, and um, what's your problem? Literally, what's your problem? Like, I and your problem is that you're insufferable, and I hate you, and I wish you'd never existed in the first place. Like. In in the way that like you know you mentioned in the shoe fits and if the shoe fits like they completely gave up on trying to like do the like the secret identity like Cinderella costume thing yeah. like okay so the Laura Moreno just wears a pink wig and elf ears and that's that, it and that's guys- literally her costume and like the guy still wants to know the real her like. The, the amount of times that they the, the characters in this movie say the real me or the real her are like I just want to know the real you yes uh, behind the, the me behind this elf costume and a pink wig yes of course because it completely looked different again Hannah Montana thing it, it literally is just like I just I cannot I, I have no idea how you look like because you have pink hair now I have, like, I, how could I ever recognize you in the street? The love of my life, who's, like, supposedly fades, I've memorized by heart by now because I love you so much, blah, 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 blah. How could I possibly recognize you if you're wearing a pink wig and elf ears? And, uh, again, no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this, it, so it gets it gets really insufferable. This one, like we we can only really wish insufferable. we can only wish there was more auto tune, honestly. Exactly, like auto tune the whole plot, like just just wash away the whole experience of the film in auto tune. I wanted, I honestly, Charlie XCX, please become a producer on these on these films. Make the auto tune so high that like i cannot understand anything that's happening it just sounds like that that's what i want because this is this, this is scarring <laughs> oh my god okay um and the songs suck 
And, like, the entire thing about Laura Moreno's character is that she's supposed to be, like, oh, she's a great songwriter and she has a dream of, you know, writing these great songs. I want to be songs. Taylor Swift. I want to write songs about my experiences. And I have a quirky red notebook where I write my lyrics such as, I'm a stranger, you are not. If we mingle, there be danger. Ha ha ha! Like that. Literally, that's the level of her lyrics. Literally. And uh, the, the, it's so funny how, like, in at the end, she's supposed to reveal how good of a singer she is, how good of a songwriter she is, and the entire song is about, like, she 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 doesn't understand why Christmas is so important, and she wants to find out why people care so much about Christmas. That's literally her entire, and the then, entire like, song. The- like, and then what? the spotlight is on the guy because the importance of Christmas is heteronormativity, my friend. Like, oh, God. So you probably don't know because you don't have a cursed brain like Pedro and, and I. <laughs> but there's a new one coming out soonish in the, the series. And like, I, um, I'm expecting something very cursed, something very, very bad. Oh like... God, the Cinderella. So the bar is in hell right now. The Cinderella is literally played by the girl in the Christian camp Netflix movie. Oh my God. I think her name is Bailey. And like, important thing, um, she's the first Cinderella to co- cross dress. And I can just feel um, that they will butcher it. Like, it will not be a Mulan experience of a bisexual king being like, I don't care, like, what's your gender mas- manifestation. I am I care about your personality. No, no, no. And also, uh, it's a yeehaw. It's, it's the oh, first yeah. Cinderella yeehaw it's gonna be a country. Uh, it's going to be a country-themed Cinderella movie, yeah. Yeah. So, like, um, so uh, I've been thinking, right? Like, why this particular story, like, is so relevant in Western culture? Because, like, outside of the Cinderella story universe, you have so many Cinderella movies and, like, musicals. Like, the same story just keeps to... Is being told over and over again mm-hmm. yeah. within our culture. There's, there's even and a also- new one. Sorry, there's even a new one coming out with Camila Cabello, like outside of the Cinderella storyverse. But like, is still. it coming out? Like they keep pushing it back. So like, maybe that film will never come out, and maybe we'll, we will be better for it. But like, no, like <laughs> the the story keeps on like coming back. And also, if you start like um, reading a little bit more about like. Of um, folk tales outside of the European canon, that there is a very similar pattern of story, like um, a very similar pattern to the Cinderella story, like pops up, pops out, and like in completely different regions of the world, like a completely different times. Like there's a Chinese version of the Cinderella folk tale, um, there was a Phoenician one, if I remember correctly. Like it just pops out everywhere um and i was like hmm why like you know like because you have so many uh you have so many different folktale patterns like if you if you're interested in um in it there's like you know there's a lot of academic work academic work on it so like I don't know, DM me, I'll send you I'll send you articles. <laughs> but like I was interested in like why are we obsessed with this particular pattern? 
And I sort of created a theory. And do you want to hear it? Of course. Uh, okay. So I, I would also like to point out, um, I don't know if you know, but like folk tales, especially European folk tales, they didn't start, they started out as oral stories, but they mm -hmm. were passed on from women to women. Yeah. And essentially they were like warning stories, like, girl, watch out, you know, like they were like the sisterly advice given from one generation of women to another generation of women. So they could, you know, learn how to navigate their world better as adult women mm -hmm. and so that's an important thing as a side note to think about but like i think the reason why cinderella is so popular it's because it presents safe empowerment for women because it's empowerment within patriarchal structures because following the pattern of the story the girl is happy when she has a father the girl is unhappy when she's forced to live in a matriarchal family Mm -hmm, and then yeah. the girl is happy again when she's in the in the relationship with another man and so essentially like all of her positive changes so her class mobility her like um her overcoming of uh, trauma and neglect like it's all connected within the story with her romantic union with a man and so essentially this pattern of story tells you you know be empowerment but be empowerment in a way that doesn't question the structures of our society you know mm -hmm. yeah, and yeah if you think about it like from the, about the origin of about the origin of the story so like it makes sense like for example i don't know women in europe in 16th 17th century europe are like if you really want to be safe you have to like exist in the connection with a man Uh, mm -hmm. So, like, you either have to have a father, you have to have a husband, otherwise you are um, vulnerable to neglect and abuse and persecution. And you don't want that, you want to be happy, so, like, you have to be in some sort of relationship with a man that will give you status and that will give you protection. And But, like, as it was then reappropriate by men, then it becomes the story of, like, you can do it, girl! You can do this very positive thing of like overcoming your own abuse and like taking yourself out of that situation, which is a very positive story to put out there. But like you frame it within patriarchal structures. And so it gives you this false sense of empowerment, essentially. That being said, I enjoy this story pattern immensely. So like, you know, you, you, I'm not saying that like, Cinderella story is bad. <laughs> I'm just saying that, like, it's interesting to think about it that way. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't, hadn't thought of that through that angle. And damn, it's much to think about. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the reasons why the stepmother character is so villainized within our culture is because she's usually the. Like, first of all, how dare you, you know, be the new woman and, like, you know, take my mom's place or whatever. But, like, with stories such as Cinderella and, like, she's the, the de facto head of the family. And a family headed by a woman is something that's structurally very dangerous to a patri patriarchal society. That's why we have to make her very campy and very, you know, like this cartoon of a character, this cartoon of a human being. 
and by that like and by extension we'll, we'll be just mocking the idea of a family that is headed and run by a woman mm-hmm. because in the original fairy tale it's also important to remember that Cinderella doesn't have any positive relationship with a human woman like she has her stepsister uh, she has her stepsisters that bully her she has her stepmom that abuses her and then she has the positive relationship with her fairy godmother but she like she's there for a second and she's like psych bye <laughs> you know and like that's not a bond that's not a relationship and so uh, especially in the disney like um animated version from the 50s which i think is like for the most people um the version of the tale that they are most familiar with like the only positive relationships she has uh are with men like she has a positive relationship with her father and then she has a positive relationship with prince charming and his father and it kind of teaches girls this pick me you know energy is like um there's all just so much drama. I just like I'd rather hang out with the boys, you know, that that sort of thing. Um, which is not to say that you you cannot enjoy those movies. Like I think you definitely can, but like there's a difference between enjoying something and like recognizing certain problematic elements of it and just like being defensive about it. I yeah, think there is a difference there. Which yeah, which is so again bringing on the leftist agenda to every single topic. But like that's interesting when it comes to when we, especially when we talk about the Cinderella story series because a crucial point of every single one of these movies is that like Cinderella the Cinderella character always has a positive relationship with her female best friend and they're like yeah. the best friend is like very supportive and like like no matter what happens with the family with the guy she always has the friend to lean on to so maybe that's like maybe a more 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 of a progressive spin okay maybe except for the first movie since it's a guy but but she also has regina king yeah i think because like in most of these movies the best friend character is um the fairy godmother character or at least like a part of that character so like um, because the the best friend character is usually one the one that like provides the the Cinderella character with a dress and like encourages them to go to the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that sense, they uh, fulfill the role of the fairy godmother from the original tale. Um, but yeah, like in the OG, uh, the original one, she um, Sam has a very positive relationship with Regina King and but also other women working at the diner. Yeah. And her best friend just happens to be discount Timothy Chalamet, but he's also very effeminate. Like he's not like your. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very, you know, he's not like um, like a stereotypical ma- macho guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's iconic. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like that's definitely a, a good point. Especially if you decide to watch these movies based on what you've heard here, hopefully yeah. only the first three, you know, that uh, Miss Marcy gave us something to think about when it comes to the Cinderella lore. And You can always big brain stuff, like no matter how terrible, that's, that's the lesson that I want to leave you all with, mm-hmm. no matter how bad a piece of media is, 
you can always bullshit your way through it into some big brain theory. Like, I believe in you. You can do it. <laughs> exactly. Like, challenging the canon and all of that. You know, exactly. That's you know, and if and if this podcast, as we're closing, as we're drawing to a closing, um, if there's a thesis to this entire podcast, is that you know? Yeah, like how media is framed and how, like how media is framed in the canon and how the story within the media text is framed itself tells you a lot about tells you a lot about the society. And we're just here to question that in a very unprofessional manner, but hopefully entertaining. Uh, so yeah, stream run run this down. Stream run <laughs> this end. down. Stream um, bless myself. Stream knocking. Stream um, stream the Once Upon a Song series, essentially. Once Upon a Song soundtrack. The soundtrack, stream the soundtrack, but also stream the Cinderella story soundtrack. It has very good songs on it. So, um, yeah, that's been it. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Okay. Um, hey everyone. Hey listeners. I know we said we would, um, you know, we said our goodbyes and everything, but uh, we realized, like a mere hours after we recorded, that we forgot to do the ranking of each stepmom in the Cinderella story movies that we promised at the beginning of the podcast. So I mean, what well, you have that. to understand about Pedro and me, Pedro and I. Not me mixing up the subject and the object pronoun. Uh, what you have to understand about Pedro and I is that we are premium class clowns. The clownery is very high in this space. <laughs> we we put our clown makeup. We were wearing our clown dress on tonight. Exactly. We are going to scare you some children later on. Because like, what else do you do when you're a clown by traumatized little babies? You know. Anyhow, ranking of the stepmoms. I I would just like to preface, 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 this, and say that I think that I would be an amazing evil stepmom. Like, I I think I have the range. I think I have the energy to ruin some teenage girls' lives. I think. Yes, I agree. I definitely agree. <laughs> uh, I and I think I would be premium uh, material for the um, best friend or uh, fairy godmother. <gasps> oh my god, you you you'd be an amazing fairy godmother. Like you you. Oh my god, yes. Like because you, you. I mean, you're a half a buff, so like you have this like wholesomeness about yourself, and I'm, I'm. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a very slittery person. I'm not really nice. But like my saving grace is that a lot of people think that I'm joking when I'm being mean to them. So they think like I'm just like ah, I'm hilarious. No, no, no. I'm I you know, I'm not being nice to you right now. So I think I would Thanks, be a Marcy. very iconic stepmom. Like the evilness <laughs>
No, but like you just you you're just a human teddy bear, and I'm a walking one-liner. This this is who we are. <laughs> you're a walking one-liner. <laughs> <laughs> Am I not though? Am I not? <laughs> oh, anyway, God. do you know who's also a walking one-liner, or or, uh, or the stepmoms? So. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. which would tra which transition. transition us to the uh, ranking of the stepmoms? Now, I just came out by saying that, like, even though I like, even though we like her, I think the stepmom in Christmas Wish is the worst. I mean, she is the worst compared to all the others. She just um, is subpar. Like, she is the best part of the film, but like. She's just she, compared to like Jane Lynch, she gives us nothing. Like when you compare, like, cause like, it, I mean, it, the other actresses that play, they mean, I mean, they got top tier actresses to play the stepmoms and the others. Like mm. they did not spare any, like a, any part of the budget when it comes to casting the stepmoms for these movies. But like when you come to Christmas mm. Wish, like there's. Like not to diss her, but like she's not at, like not as big of a name, and like the the performance isn't like immediately star making, and like she does have good one liners. And... The uh, art patron of the arts uh, line <laughs> is amazing. Um... Yeah, no, I agree, and also she's the most generic of them all. Like even though all those films are very generic, like each of the stepmoms brings on her own campiness to the role. Like they're all iconic and campy in a different way. And and about each one of them, there's something very memorable and very dumb. You know what I mean? And, like, the stepmom from Christmas Wish is very, like, generic evil stepmom. You know, like, she she looks and she performs in this movie like your average villain from a Lifetime movie. Yeah, absolutely. Like a go Like, a particularly good Lifetime movie villain, but, like, you know... Yeah, still, still a still lifetime, lifetime movie villain. Still lifetime. This entire yeah. movie is very lifetime. But yeah, um, when it comes to the next spot, number four, this is where it gets really hard. Honestly, I think I think it's a stepmom from Once Upon a Song. Like, oh yeah, but like Missy Paul is great. She's amazing, but she's just not. She's she's very racist. She's not just. She's not that campy. Like she's just a, an evil Karen character. Like exactly. Oh my god, exactly. She's an evil Karen that wants to be very tall. That's her character, which is iconic in its own way. But um, compared to like what J Jennifer Coolidge is doing with her role, like it just it, I don't think it compares that much. Yeah, like it's it's a very one note performance from Missy Pyle, and she's good at what she does, but it's not like. Yeah. Above above and beyond. Like now for number three, I I mm -hmm. I would say I don't know if you agree, but like I love this woman with all my heart. Uh we will talk about her again in the next episode for the Chucky series. <laughs> but um if the shoe fits, uh yeah. Jennifer Tilly. No, I agree. She is great though. She is uh, like she the is dead amazing. dog. Like the, the dead the dog. The Madonna cosplays. The uh, she, she eats that role, and she is the saving grace of that movie oh, by all means. But again, I think what 
with Missy and Jennifer, it's not so much their fault because they're great at what they do, is that they are given less fun material to work with uh, than Jane and Jennifer College. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the material is not quite there. And like, again, like the dead dog scene. It, I'm pretty sure that was improv imp like improvised by Jennifer Tilly on the spot. Like, I doubt that the screenwriters for If the Shoe Fits like would come up with something that genius. And like, given her like horror background, I mean, that's a hundred percent something she would come up with. It's a hundred percent something she would come up with, and it's only like she reaches a level of unhingedness that can only be reached by a star of B. Of B movie horror film yeah, series, I'd, definitely. I'd, I'd, I'd argue, and no, she's she's so fun. The dead dog, uh, her, her, the voice she comes up with for him, iconic, iconic. But again, I think this is not me blaming her. This is me blaming the screenwriters for not giving her more material to like really get into the campiness of the role. True. True. Um, but yeah, now into the top two, this is where the heavy, heavy hitters come in. Heavy hitters. Like, for me, the runner up is Jane Lynch. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd also agree, I think. Because. I mean, she's, she's amazing. Like, she's. It's the blueprint for one of the most memorable TV performances of all time. Like, she is Sue Sylvester here. And like. Like, that with the fact that she's essentially, like, a, a washed-up pop star. So you get Jane Lynch singing and Jane Lynch rapping. Like, it's, it's, it's giving so much. It's important to point out that she is rapping about acting on your back. Yes, she is. And, that, and how it's you so shouldn't good. have it because your man will not want you back if you have acting on your back. It's so iconic. And... She's giving us so much in that role, you know, like she's giving us a bully. She's giving us a washed up pop princess, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how successful her career was within the universe, but like she's giving us like a husband. She's giving us a a mother who's like very controlling and very obsessed with her own youth and the youth of her daughters. Plus, like, iconic, iconic. It's, it's also Jane Lynch with long hair, which we're not used to seeing, but it's noteworthy all the same. Oh my god, she has like these very, like on the 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 stepsister's sixteenth birthday party, she has like the most Karen esque curls. Yeah, and it's yeah. just so weird to see her in that, and also on the di- uh, on the dinner scene when she's wearing this campy like i don't know what the material is a fabric sorry i don't know what the fabric is but like it's so weird to see her so doled up yeah when yeah for most people they will just see her in the tracks yeah yeah it's like it's worth watching um just for jane lynch's performance but number one yeah, like, Jennifer Coolidge is so good. She's the OG. She's the GOAT. Like, you cannot top 
Norwegia. Norwegia. <laughs> you just can't. Like, and she is the most traditional of like the all of them. Like, it's the most traditional like stepmom character from the from the fairy tale. Yeah. And like, she manages to not be a complete campy character. She feels like a real person. Like. Yeah. And. She, honest to God, she feels. She has the energy of a drag queen. I don't know how else to describe it, but like she has an energy of someone who is very plasticky and fake, but at the same time very genuine in their own overdramatic expression of life. Yeah, and like it, she's also given so much to work with. Like you get the scenes where she is, you know, like um, uh, faking the the rejection letter. Like, you get the scenes where she's the boss of the diner and she's bossing around um, Sam, Hilary Duff's character. Yeah, the, you like, have that complaining, iconic... Complaining about the, the stepsisters, like... You have that iconic speech she gives right after sunbathing in her tanning bath. You're not very pretty and you're not very bright. I'm so glad we had that talk. And then she... Oh my it's God. It's so good. <laughs> It's so good because like you have the perfect marriage when uh, you have the perfect marriage between the screenwriters giving enough of great material to a performer to really like shine in a given role. Yeah. She. Oh my gosh. She. She's. I love her. I love her. I want to be her in so many ways, even though, like, if you ever get to see, like, pictures of me, I, like, I look nothing like her. <laughs> but I want to be her. Like, spiritually, I want to be her. I want to be her, and I want to be Regina King simultaneously. And that's my personality, I believe. The, that's you in the girl boss mode, and you in the girl employee mode. Exactly, exactly, exactly. But, like, okay, since we we were big clowns and we forgot to include this ranking in the in the proper recording we think that like we make it up for you a bit and we'll also rank the princess from the series so stick around after the beautiful song um bless myself by lucy hale from the once upon a song and after that we'll be greeted greeted to a ranking of all the princes so stay tuned. And you for should that. really bless yourself. You should bless yourself. Don't wait for Mr. God or Mr. Priest. No, no, no. You're your own deity. Bless yourself, girl bosses and boy employee boy employees. That is the message of the day. Thank you. <laughs> Again, bye. Bye. Stop.
again. It it is us again. Um, you just you can't get rid of us. But like, I think it's good because we will only be releasing episodes once to once every two weeks. So it's good that like we prolong it unnecessarily, unnecessarily like a Marvel movie, because then you can get tired of us and you will not miss us next week. And then when we release the next episode in two weeks' time, you'll be like, oh, I actually miss those guys, even though they're a bit annoying. <laughs> Marvel... But yeah, the princes. I'm the Marvel... I'm the, the new Marvel strategist. What? I'm the new Marvel strategist. No. I will not say that. No, cut that bit out. <laughs> what? The... Anyway, anyway, the princes. The princes. The princes. <laughs> Okay, uh, definitely a lot less iconic than the stepmoms, and they're giving so. Okay, I, and I think straight off the bat, the least, like d- d- bottom of the barrel shit tier lover remix featuring Sean Mendes <laughs> tier is, um, if the shoe fits, because I literally do not remember he, his face. Oh my! I mean, it might be because we didn't rewatch it for 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 this episode. But I yeah yeah don't I I think the guy from Christmas Wish was more annoying than the guy from If the Shoe Fits, but then again fair enough he's awful he, uh, he was oh my god the guy what's his face Dominic 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 Winterbottom <laughs> how could I forget such a name Dominic Winterbottom he's just he's everything that I hate about males. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. Like, like he's I a, love men, like but like not rich, him. Like a spoiled rich brat who trying to is trying to cosplay as a poor guy by working as like an, a, a fake Santa. Yeah. Like as a street entertainer. And he's not even like, you know, like he doesn't even have the excuse of the rich people to be sad that they have like control controlling parents that. Want them to go into Harvard Business School and like run their company, whatever. No, like his dad is super supportive. He's like, yeah, do whatever you want, son. And like, Mister Dominic, man, still like, like acts as if like he's the most hurt person in the world. And also like, there's a particular subtype of male characters that I particularly hate. And those characters are males that are completely personality-less and charm-less. But, like, the movie wants you to believe that they're the shit. And I, I, just, I oh, yeah, can't yeah. stand that. You know? He's not handsome. He's white. Like, he's not... Like, he's not even cute. Like, he's nothing. He's, he's nothing. He's nothing. He, he's also... The, the actor that plays him is British. And he does a very... Not to say poor, but very weird American accent where you can just hear that he's doing an accent, you know? And it's just like, what was the reason? What was the reason? I hate him. I hate his name. I hate everything he's about. No. Then, you know, if the shoe fits guy is like essentially in the same category, but like maybe it's just because... We didn't rewatch the film. I don't find him as yeah. Annoying. Let me let me look at let me look at this guy's face, and I need to remember. Also, I'm pretty sure he was on EastEnders. Please, someone tell me that I'm right. I love being told. I'm gonna look him up. I I love being told that I'm right. Please do it for me. Please do it for my ego. So this guy, 
Um, uh, Thomas Law. <laughs> he was in he was in EastEnders. Yes, I he, knew it. He is the fifth actor to play Peter Beale in the popular <laughs> BBC soap opera EastEnders. I knew it. I knew it. He was on EastEnders. However, complete trash. I oh god, he was so bad. He yeah. So oh bad. yeah. No, he's nothing. He uh, um literally lover featuring Sean Mendes next. <laughs> Yeah, next. Now we the now the the the, the top three are actually tolerable. To- like they're fine. Yeah, I think number three is uh, Mr. Man from Another Cinderella Story. Oh yeah, Joey Parker. Like he's <laughs> fake Justin Timberlake. He's fine. Like he has some moves. Like he's all cocky and like, stuff. So which gives him a little bit of personality. Exactly. But like he's still a B grade Justin Timberlake. He's a B grade Justin Timberlake. He's there. He doesn't really give us anything, but at the same time, he's not annoying. So, like, that's something, you know? Yeah, yeah, he's he's totally fine. Like, I, yeah, he's fine. He's fine. There's not like, much to, to write home about. Yeah, like, he will not make the movie more enjoyable, but he will also not ruin the movie. And that's, like, that's an okay space to be in, I think, for, for a male lead in a, in a romantic mm-hmm. comedy. Like... That's better than most. Yeah. That's that that we can say for sure. Okay, number mm-hmm. two, the runner-up. I think it's Mr. Luke from Once Upon a Song. Luke, definitely Luke from Once Upon a Song. Yeah, because again, like he is, he's totally fine. Like like I said on the actual episode, he's like the midpoint between Shawn Mendes and Harry Styles, where he's not iconic, but he's not total. And you were absolutely void of charisma. And you were absolutely right, Bestie. Like absolutely right like i think when he's um like a civilian he's way less charming but like when he sings these little songs i'm like oh, i actually like him like he has a nice voice he has some charisma like mm-hmm. yeah i dig and then number one is the only mr angsty mr angsty soft boy himself mr to mr Dad, Tennyson. it's not a face i just want to be a soft boy and write poetry in starbucks mr austin ames and i think First of all, I think he's the most iconic of them all. Second of all, clearly. He, <laughs> second of all, he's played by Mr. Heartthrob, uh, Chad Michael Murray, who will then become a cult leader, which again I think is a very iconic trait to have as a person. And he, what well, he has that the others don't is he's actually likable. Like you actually like and care for him as a character. <laughs> Yeah, he's a, he has a lot more backstory. He has a lot more motivation. He's actually like he quotes like a, not Tennyson. a tryhard. He quotes he Tennyson. He quotes Tennyson. Like he's not a tryhard. Like I'm trying to be sexy and cool. Like he actually shows genuine emotion. Like yeah. he's he's cool. I like him. He's cool. I like him. And like, listen, if you use Victorian poetry to flirt, you you make points. That's all I'm gonna say. You know. Like, good for you, good for you, Mister Mister Austin Ames. So yeah, I'm I'm happy with the, this ranking. Um, yeah, watch Cinderella Story. It's iconic. You'll have a lot of fun. It has a cult. It's a great series. It's a great um, series. It's a great. If you're a person with a vagina, it's a great series to watch when you're in like in your feels because of all the blood and tissue dropping from in between your legs so like i recommend that for that but if you're not a person with a vagina it's just 
a generally great feel-good series. So, like, if you want to pick me up, I recommend that series. And if you're a person with taste, you will appreciate um, Once Upon a Song for its amazing soundtrack. Exactly. Like, just, if you want to start off your day right, just listen to Run This Town or Bless Myself. I did that today. I listened to the whole soundtrack at work and I had an amazing day. I got into Trinity College Dublin. So, like... Like, I'm not saying those things are related, but, like, you know, also you cannot prove that they're not. So, um, yeah. You really watched the entire Cinderella series in the following day you got in. So yeah, exactly. That's, that's what you get. That's what you get. That's what you get. So, like, watch it to bless yourselves, essentially, is what I'm saying. Exactly. So, uh, stay tuned for the next episode. Thank you for sticking around till after the quote-unquote credits. Yeah. Uh, next time we will be back with uh, the Chucky series, I'm so, which I'm very excited. I'm so about. excited! I love creepy dolls. Like I'm so mad that my dad never bought me any. <laughs> like he bought me just plushies. God, Chucky rules. And like plushies, I love plushies, but they're not as fun when they're possessed. I don't think. So I'm really excited for the Chucky series, and I hope you'll be. I hope you are as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So. Till next time. Bye. Bye.